The theme for this, uh, for this year is, is our life, God's story. So we're going to be uh, continuing with our seven key values for McKnight Crossings. Uh, last week, I, I spoke about the Holy Spirit and the, the role that the Holy Spirit can play in our lives. And today, um, I'm going to be talking about something that I talk about often whenever I'm up here. The next generation, our, our kids, and, and not just our kids, but our role in raising up a generation to, uh, to love the Lord. So this, this Christmas, um, we got my parents the 23andMe test. Y'all heard of the 23andMe test? You know, they take the uh, take swab and send it off and they figure out, um, you know, everything that makes them them. Um, you know, just where their family is from and, uh, you know, the, the different nationalities maybe that, that make up who they are. I don't think they'll be Many surprises. Uh, my sister already got one, so I figured I didn't. I didn't really need to, um, barring any, you know, surprises there. But, um, but anyways, it's it's been really interesting to to hear my dad talk about all this stuff. We got on that test because my dad has really enjoyed um, finding out more about his ancestry. Um, he's been doing this for a long time, where he's. He's uh, figured out when, when our, our ancestors, it was actually my great-great-great-grandpa that, that landed in Baltimore 125 years to the day that I was born. Um, I thought that was cool, and, and uh, since my dad is getting a little bit older, he keeps forgetting that, and I think he's told me that about four or five times. So, uh, Dad, if you're watching, I'm sorry, but um, I'm, um, I'm grateful for him figuring this out because I, I really enjoy hearing those stories. This past fall, he and his sister and his dad came up to uh, down near Rolla and St. James. They went to a couple places where um, you know, my grandpa had, was actually born in the house that he was born in. And, um, and they kind of toured around some of the cemeteries there where, where there are pickers buried. Um, and, and I always remember going to my, my dad's house. He would just drive us by in East St. Louis where he grew up and seeing the house that my grandpa built. And I really enjoy those, those stories. Now, one of the things about those stories that I really enjoy is, is you know, my great, great, great grandpa that came over was a, was a minister and a teacher and um, you know, passed his faith down and, and we had farmers in our family. And, and I can definitely tell that my grandpa... Uh, my dad's dad prayed for not just his children and their children to have a faith, but he prayed for one of his family members to look just like him. And um, I just wish he would have been more specific with that and prayed for more hair uh, for, for the one that looked just like him. But um, I am grateful for the heritage that I have. I'm grateful for the, for the opportunity that I have to know my, my grandpa, my, my great-grandpa, and hear them talk about how they grew up, hear them talk about sharing their faith, and, and even um, you know, going down and spending time with them over Christmas, and, um, and, and us, you know, my grandma, just wanting to sing together. So there is a, a heritage of faith that obviously we, we all want to pass down, and, and so the idea of, of how we do that has been, has been on my heart, on my mind for a long time. Even just thinking about, um, you know, preaching today, but, 
but also what I've modeled my life after, what I've tried to do with my jobs, what I've tried to do with the, the places I volunteer. It's always been about sharing with the next generation, sharing faith with the next generation, sharing opportunities with the next generation. We have so many that, that do that, but the New Testament opens up by sharing the, the heritage, like I've been, I've been talking about, of Jesus. And it gives a story of, of all of these people from the time of Abraham up till the time of, of Jesus. And, and it, it walks us through Jesus' family line. And um, as we're walking through this genealogy, you notice that there are people that, that we've heard about um, you know, for, you know, if you've gone to church, you've heard their names, names like Abraham and Isaac and, and uh, Judah. If, if you were here on Christmas Eve, you heard me talk about Boaz and Ruth and, and Jesse, David and Bathsheba, Solomon. I've heard these, these names that we've built up in faith, but we've also, we also hear names um, maybe that we, we don't want to, uh, you know, that we don't know. Uh, Jehoiakim and something else, um, but there's but there are names of people that were kings, names of people that were were shepherds, prostitutes, um, children that were the result of of affairs. This this family line is so messed up, but they were all so instrumental in bringing about our Savior. All of them were instrumental in bringing about our Savior. And, and this story, this family tree is a great reminder. Hopefully it's a great reminder to all of us that God uses the broken. God has used the broken to bring about our salvation. It's not a perfect family line. And so many times we think that, that if we're not raising our kids right, we are completely screwing everything up. That there's no hope. That if our kid makes bad decisions, that, well, what can I do now? See, and I don't know that that should be necessarily, I know that that shouldn't be our thought. Because when God first started talking with Abraham, that first person in the line whenever, um, whenever God was, or whenever they introduced Jesus' genealogy in Matthew, that first person in line was, was Abraham. And God told Abraham, this is long before Jesus came, he says, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. Of course, Abraham was very old at this time and, and, um, you know, and, and kind of him and Sarah kind of laughed at, at God for him making this claim. But I promise you, Abraham wasn't thinking about a savior Abraham was thinking about the next in their line and, and to even think about generations and a multitude of nations to come. And then God doubled down on that later on in Genesis and he said, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All because you have obeyed me. See, God was telling Abraham that the next generation 
what you're doing, they matter. And the generation after them, they matter. And the generation after them, they matter. Invest in them. Do, do your part. So that, that passage that Melissa read earlier is one that has been on, on my heart for a very long time. Um, in fact, a couple weeks ago, I was, I was DJing at a bat mitzvah. And uh, for those of you that didn't know, I, I DJ weddings and, a, and the occasional uh, mitzvah. And they're always interesting to have 13-year-olds with all of their 13-year-old friends, you know, having a party and being cool. And 13-year-olds are cool, right, Ansley? Um, <laughs> so we're, we're sitting there, and, and before we get started, I'm walking through the synagogue and, um, and just kind of noticing different things. And, and, and as I walk from room to room, I, I notice something small on each doorpost as I'm walking through. And at first I'm like, oh man, what is that? This is interesting. I wanted to go find somebody and ask them, what is, you know, what is that? And I keep walking around and it's on every doorpost that I walk by. Going into the bathroom, there was, there was one of those right there. And then it hit me. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. I'm going to read it again. Listen, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving to you. He's telling them, you need to do this. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as a reminder. Write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. Those bracelets I was talking about last week, those WWJD bracelets. You know, just those reminders. So how are we reminding ourselves? Are, are, are these things that we are continually going over at our homes? Parents, I'm talking to you about this one. And um, see, as we, as we teach our kids in our homes, the things that we teach them matter. So as we're raising the next generation, because we have, we've said that this is something that our, our church believes in. We've said it, but I believe we show it a lot too. But in order for the church, in order for this McKnight Crossings family to really take hold of that, it needs to happen within our homes. So I want you to think about your actions. I want you to think about the things that your kids see you do. I want you to think about what is our daily routine? What are our habits at home? What are the things that we invite our kids to be a part of? Phones and hands is uh, something that my kids might see a lot from me. Sometimes I need to rest. Sometimes I, I, you know, I just do different things. I love when they, I love when they catch me um, you know, doing my Bible reading. Um, before they wake up or as, or as they're eating, eating dinner, um, maybe I'm listening to it that day or 
or breakfast, not dinner, but I love whenever, whenever they're able to, to see that. But what am I calling my kids into? What am I doing at home like that verse was saying? How am I committing myself wholeheartedly to the commands to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength? God was showing Abraham. He was telling his people through those verses in Deuteronomy. We saw them later in in, in, uh, Deuteronomy 22. We, We keep seeing them again. That raising up the next faith generation is not just important, but it's vital. It is of utmost importance. See, his genealogy mattered. Abraham's genealogy mattered. His descendants after him mattered because it led to many, many nations, just as the Lord had promised. But it also led to Jesus blessing all of those nations. But Jesus is not where the next generation stops mattering. Mattering? Doesn't stop to matter. Because as Jesus is preaching these sermons, as he's talking to the people in the Sermon on the Mount, as he has masses around them, these people want to bring their children to him. And as they bring their children to him, what he does is, or as his disciples start to rebuke those that are around him, and, and Matthew, t- Matthew tells us that, that Jesus looked at them and said, let the little children Come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. They have something to teach us. Again, your children matter. They don't matter when the church becomes theirs. That, that, is, that is one of the one of the phrases that I can't stand probably the most is they are the church of tomorrow. They are a part of our community today. See, one thing that I've preached for for years is that we need to have this community that our kids want to be a part of. You know, and besides parents and grandparents, you matter to the faith walk, to the faith journey of these kids. You matter to what they become. See, it's great for me to be able, and I can model it all I want to. It is great for me to tell my kids, it's great for me to look at Kennedy and say, you need to engage with some of these people that are here. Maybe your, your, your teachers or some of the chaperones, you need to um, you know, get to know them better. You need to, to talk with them about your faith. It's great for me to say that. But if I can get other people to go up to Kennedy, you know, I'm thinking about some of the women that are in my small group, you know, whether it's Melissa or Tara or Paisley or Angie, you know, and Hannah. I I mean, there's, if I can get these women to go up to my daughter, which some of them have because they understand this, this desire that I have for, for them to be in my, in my kids' lives. 
if I can get them to come to my kids and, and show them that they are important, to show them that they are loved, to show them that they are cared about, that is inviting them into a community not just saying we want you to be a part of it, not me telling them this is important, but it's somebody else saying, I care about you. Make no mistake about it. Our kids desire community. These kids that are sitting right up here, they desire community. You know, I kind of put a question out this past week about why do you come to church to these kids? And, and um, the, the responses didn't surprise me because I, I know most of them. But some of them were, you know, I mean, a, a lot of them had to deal with being with each other. I come to church so I can be with my friends come to church so I can be in a community that, that loves the Lord, so I can be encouraged, so I can get to know God better. But the overwhelming theme of the messages that I got texted to me and, and in the group me was, was these people are important to me. And that is not by accident. They want community, and they're going to find community. I believe that the community that we have is different. I think it's special. Not in the sense that people care about other people, but in the sense that we have something different to offer. Most communities that you find offer that belonging. Some of them even offer a purpose But do they offer that opportunity for a relationship with Jesus? Do they offer salvation? That, for me, is what drives this community over, other, over every other community. And are we placing importance on that community? See, Luke reminded us what community was and. Jeannie, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and put up our, our passage there from, from Acts. At the end of Acts chapter 2, after um, thousands had been, had been baptized, the Holy Spirit had come on that, on that time of Pentecost. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them as the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their, added to their fellowship those who were being saved. These people, they knew one another. It wasn't a hi, how you doing? It was, what do you need? 
I know you, I know your family, and I want to, I want to be here for you. Come to my house and let's, and let's worship around our table. We need to know these young people, not in passing, but know their name. We need to know what they're struggling with. We need to know what their parents are struggling with. Have them over to your house. Be a teacher. Be a, a chaperone. Drive them somewhere. You know, that, they're, that the, the group is going to. They need this community. We need them to know that they have a purpose, or we need to give them a purpose. You know, a couple weeks ago, I had, the, I had some of them over to my house just to talk about worship. I had some of these teens over to my house just to talk about worship. What do you like about worship? What do you want to see in worship? I was expecting a long list of songs. I got one song not to sing ever again. Um, <laughs> what's that song, guys? Cornerstone. Um, I love that song, so we will sing it again. But, <laughs> but the, things, the other things that they shared with me reminded me that they need to be part of this community just as much as anybody else does. We need times of silence just to talk with God during worship. We need to, to hear this, the scripture more. We need to have time to even chat with those that are around us just to, to see what people are up to. They want to be engaged in community. They just need to be invited. They need to be welcomed. They need to be given a purpose in what we're doing. And I know that they've, they've had that. I am so grateful for, for people like McKaylee, for people like Lane and Eric and, and Matt and so many more, and, and Heather and Debbie Fitzgerald and... and s- Michelle Blackford has been up there a ton, and there's so many more. I know Elizabeth has been in the nursery whenever we have kids in there recently, and we have people that are pouring into these kids that are inviting them into something so much more. And it starts with getting to know them, and it continues with showing them their importance in this community. Guys, we need to be challenging them. We have to be challenging them. You look at what Jesus did as he was getting ready to leave. His whole time here, he was showing, he was modeling what it was like to live for God. And he was getting them ready, he was preparing them, and then he gave them a charge. And the charge wasn't to stay here and preach to your community. It was preach to your community and then keep preaching and go and bring other people to know him. Bring other people to know me. Bring other people to know God. And that challenge was sometimes more than they could handle. They bickered. One of them turned against Jesus. One of them denied Jesus. But he was preparing them for something greater than what they could do just on their own. And when the Spirit came, there was no more wavering. They went and they did, and the community grew 
because Jesus challenged them to be more, and that challenge stays the same. They pushed the boundaries with his, of, of the known world with the message of Jesus. Our kids can't, we can't claim victory just by them sitting here in the front row. That is not victory. Victory is them sharing God's love with the people that they go to school with. Victory is, is them choosing Jesus every day when they're out there. When they fail, they pick back up because we are here with them to pick them back up. John's going to share, John Earnhardt is going to share in just a moment some great examples of, of faith and community being modeled. But I hope this message not only shows you the importance of valuing the next generation, but also your important role in raising the next faith generation. We need each one of you. This is not a job for me. It's not a job for the staff. It's not a job for just the shepherds. It's a job for all of us. I believe God shows us that time and time again. This community is important. Get to know them. Really, really know these families. Know their names. Know who they can become. And once you know that, then we can challenge them to come alongside us as we take this message not just to our community, but to the community around us. I'm going to ask our praise team to go ahead and, um, and come up before and sing our final song before uh, John does have our closing. And I hope that we can raise a song for these kids to see, to be not just an example, but to be leaders in this. Invite them to something so much more than, than just coming to church, but to being a part of, of the community. You know, last, um, last week, I got, and I'm going to call him out because I've, I've, had, a few, I've had a few people um, sh- um, talk to me about, uh, that have shown this before. Last week, uh, Spencer called me up and, or texted me and he said, you know, hey, would it be okay if I took Ian to the batting cages? So simple. Before, and, he, and I said, yeah, absolutely. He said, before I leave, I want to make sure that I have an impact on somebody. That's not because Spencer just had this bright idea. It's because people have been that in his life. And that community continues to grow. People pouring into kids and them pouring into kids. That's what we're inviting you to something so much bigger than ourselves that lasts longer than we can think of when we talk about many generations. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about a community of faith that can't be done in our homes. But it can be done around our tables whenever we invite people into them. We need each other. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to say a prayer before we sing this next song. God, thank you. 
for blessing us with this community, but thank you for reminding us of the importance of and the importance of raising a generation to love you, showing them the importance of community, showing the importance of pouring into others. God, it is not just about ourselves, and we thank you for reminding us that. Thank you for people that have poured into me, and thank you for giving me people to pour into. God, help us to never see that stop. God, we love you and we lift this song to you. We raise a hallelujah to you, God, because you are a king worth praising. You are a king worth fighting for. You're a king worth fighting for our next generation for. God, we pray all of these things in your son's holy name. Amen.